0: The 4 O'Clock Football Frenzy. Hey,
1: you hit me so hard down there?
0: Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The 4 O'Clock Football Frenzy on Cofield and Company.
2: So, Adam, you said you were traveling back from uh, Denver, extra day or so, uh, after the Raiders game, so you didn't get to watch the broadcast. I generally don't watch a whole lot of the broadcast, but I happen to be in front of a, a TV, and I heard a couple of things. You know, I'm, I'm kind of weird. Like, I'll watch games, and I'll hear something, and I'm like, did anyone else just hear that? I wonder what their reaction is. I don't know what it was. Steve Levy started talking about the officiating staff having, like, three of the seven officials. I think there's more. I don't know. Whatever. Three three of the, the three, three of them. Uh, their father had been an official. And he was like lauding it, like it was something good. (laughs) And I was like, I wonder how many people out there hate nepotism as much as I do, especially in sports. And then I was also thinking of John Gruden going, women, officials. Because it was one of the first things I thought of when I saw the Gruden email that he was mad that females were becoming officials. And it's like, are they less qualified than the 80-year-old who can't run or the giant fat ass who's ambling all over the field? Or in this case, the guy who's handed a job, essentially? That's mean, because I know they have to go through a whole process. But, like, do we need to have nine generations of Hoccules? <laughs> and Levy's like, this is great! And I'm like, well, you know what? He's sitting next to Brian Greasy! Who he, Brian Greasy was good enough to play in the NFL. you know, But sure. his dad, being an announcer for a long time, Bob, probably... Helped him. So, you and I, I don't know if you're, maybe you've calmed down on this. The nepotism no, thing just, of course. it's like, this is great. Got all these kids, referees, dads, we're in the lit Like, is it really great? And I, you know, immediately I went up to the search and someone's like, yeah, a, celebrating nepotism
1: is awesome, Steve. Good job, BB. Uh, I will, I'll, I'll say there is a small part of this that, that I'm okay with. The nepotism thing is always obnoxious and we hate it. Um, there is. It, there is a small part that says at least these are people that have been like, d- like they probably wanted to be referees from a very young age and have worked toward it. I I can I
2: tell you, I I actually thought about it. First of all, I got so annoyed. I was like, I have to go wash the dishes, which is something that I'll just I I just I do laps around the house when I'm watching football games. A lot of times I sit and then I'm so as I was sitting there, I'm like scrubbing a plate and I'm like, you know what? I want to be a referee. I'm 51. Why can't I do it? You can if I, if I put in an application, they're not going to be ages, but they're going to be like, is your dad a referee? No. <laughs> no. I'm screwed! You probably should have started a little sooner. Right. Yeah. But what, why? But they're, they're all old! But you're right. There's a path to move yeah. up. Like, Adam Candy, people don't, Adam doesn't talk about this. Adam Candy's been an official for a long time. More on the basketball side. But, you know, you don't, I guess,
1: I'm guessing you generally don't start when you're 50 years old. No, I don't think and so. And in this kind of condition. But, like, I, I usually assume, and this is, Obviously, my own thing, and I know a couple of officials—not just Adam, but like yeah, I'm, I, I know some officials fairly well that have done it for a while. Um, and I'm not talking about them; I'm talking about everybody else. I usually assume it's like people that were picked on by football players, and now they want a little bit of authority over them. <laughs> but is that then, part of the motivation? Really? Yeah, flag. But then, if you, if if your par- if your dad was a referee, then like I think that at least there's like you looked up to referees and you wanted to do it. You admired them. You like worked toward it. Like maybe you can make that argument a little bit on some of the but i in general like in 99.99% of cases nepotism is incredibly evil and disgusting and and the, awful the
2: bills fan turnout at the game last night like i, I you can i don't think you can tell as much as clearly this is going to sound weird because i love radio so i'm not objective on radio i was like my god it's loud there like on bills positive plays in the first half so they had some kind of ticket study th- i don't know how they're doing this it was like over 50% of the fans apparently were Bills fans in the stadium, and at some point in the second half, Bills Mafia, who were watching on TV, they noticed that Steve Levy's like, "Wow, the Titans fans are really getting loud here.
1: It's a home game." No, it was it was the first. Was, I'll tell you because I watched the first early? half, yeah, um, and it wasn't that. It was something different, which I I noticed, and I I was like, "Yeah, I think this is this is fair because." You're right, it was somewhere just, just about 50% or a little bit more that they said was going to be They put, be in they put a graphic up, it was like 56% and, Bills. And if you remember, the, the, the Raiders-Chargers game was 74% Raiders, right. which I think was pretty accurate. And what Steve Levy said, which I kind of noticed too during the game, because I, like I said, I watched the first half, he goes, hmm, the Buffalo Bills fan takeover uh, was something that never materialized. He goes, it's, it's very clear, like, it's, you know, it was much hype about nothing or so, much ado about nothing, I think, is what he said. Because um, he's like, the Titans fans are so much louder than the Bills fans are in the building. And, and I think that probably triggered a lot of, a lot of people right. to get annoyed by it. Right. Uh, but he definitely did say that. I definitely heard that. And, and it was actually the first I had heard that it was, like, an issue. Because we know the Chargers fans took offense to it. And, um, every, like, fans do seem to take offense to that kind of a notion. Uh, but, yeah, that, that was what that was what he said during the game because I heard that.
2: Uh, let's talk about the Titans' injuries on the way back and also uh, get you that update on uh, Shannon Sharp going at it with DK Metcalf. I don't know what DK Metcalf is doing.
0: Come on, dude. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune up today by calling 577-2600.
1: Just picked up. Allen gets rid of it. Beasley
2: can't hang on.
0: Cofield and company is on the road at the Nova Home Loan Studio. Okay,
2: what is going on today with the vast Sound Cruise production and the rejoins? Do we just play a simple incomplete pass from Josh Allen? Is that what we're doing today? Why is every rejoiner a Bill's low light? Did someone slip some cash to our production staff led by Ari? (laughs) Apparently, yes. Okay. All right. Adam Hill with a lot more money and sway than we think. Amazing. He's been, he's been, I would say in the best mood I've seen him in,
1: in months. Well, I'm not going to get to, the Bills are going to be like 15 point favorites in every game the rest of the year. (laughs) I'm not going to be able to gloat about a Bills loss for a long time. So I got to enjoy it for
2: today. He is so happy. Miles Simmons is with us. Miles knows Adam. He's not very happy very often, Miles.
3: Uh, no, he's definitely not. So this is like a really, really big day. I mean, is, is he smiling? Like, can you see him? This is crazy. I uh, never see Adam smile. It's amazing.
2: Uh, we, we even had a big argument earlier. Uh, clearly, you're going to be on my side. Sean McDermott is just a terrible coach. I mean, uh, un- <laughs> unbelievable. Unbel- <laughs> mean, I just kick the field goal. Come on. At the end of regular, what are you doing? Old school football guy here.
3: I mean, this is like 95 times out of 100, Josh Allen gets that QB sneak. But it was just one of those five times. Not right?
4: that time. didn't do it.
3: Yeah. What happened exactly. to your feet? And you know what? <laughs> you know why he didn't do it? Because he was running at a Simmons. Jeffrey Simmons right there, he made the stop. So, True. you know, my cousin. Distant cousin. Not actually my cousin. What yeah, what, yeah, what, no.
1: what happened to your feet,
3: Joshie? <laughs> what happened to the feet? I know. Slipping on that uh, Tennessee grass out there. It's unbearable.
1: <laughs> it's it's going to get ugly the rest of the year. So I'm enjoying it for today. That's all.
3: Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, the Bills probably, you know, they might not lose another game. I mean, they're certainly going to run through the AFC East like poop through a goose, right? So it's not, wow. I mean, they're, like, they're basically going to have this thing wrapped up in the AFC East by, you know, early November at the latest, I would say. So, you know. You can have one day of sadness if you're a Bills fan. It'll be all right. I Honestly, though, that game was so impressive by Tennessee for a number of reasons. I mean, I don't know. Like, wh- what, whatever uh, Derrick Henry eats or, like, wherever he was made in some sort of lab, like, I don't understand it. Um, but no human being should be able to do what he's done so consistently over the last three years now. And, I mean, you know, we're talking about a guy that literally – has not run for less than 110 yards since week one like it's ridiculous what he's doing
1: uh speaking of afc potential powers with quarterback i guess questions uh cleveland your beloved browns miles um what is going on with them and how long can they keep letting baker mayfield play when he clearly shouldn't be playing
3: uh, yeah, I don't know, and it was interesting today to hear him talk about um, what's going on with his shoulder, and he said he completely tore the layover, and it wasn't just partially torn in his left shoulder, and no, the non throwing shoulder. And, you know, when it pops out in the middle of that game, and you've got J.J. Watt standing there looking like, oh, this doesn't look very good at all. You know, it's like, okay, maybe he shouldn't be playing. And the thing about it is, especially on a short week, You've got somebody in Case Keenum who knows the offense very well, has had success with Kevin Stefanski before in Minnesota. I think that at a certain point, even though Baker Mayfield today is like, well, I get to decide it's my decision when I'm going to play. I don't think I've ever heard any player say that, frankly, in a press conference, at least in the NFL. And I've been doing this for a little while. Like, I don't. Usually they say, oh, well, it's not all up to me. It's this, it's that. You know, we'll make that decision with the coaches and the training staff. He goes, oh, it's my decision whether I'm going to play. And frankly, I was a little surprised that Kevin Stefanski didn't just come out there and be like, oh, well, you know, obviously we appreciate Baker's input, but we're going to make decisions that it's not all just up to him, right? And so I don't know quite the answer to to answer your question, but it's got to be soon because – If he goes out there and he's clearly not healthy and he's throwing the ball wildly all over the place on Thursday night against the Broncos, A, he may not have, still may not have, uh, two starting offensive tackles. You got Von Miller on the other side, and that's not a great matchup for you. So I don't think it's great to have a non-healthy quarterback going against a pass rush like Von Miller um, when you don't have your two offensive tackles. So if he's wild and like very clearly not healthy in the first half on on, on Thursday night, I, mean, I think that Case Keenan could certainly come out there in the second half and then try to pilot the Browns to a victory. Uh,
1: a lot of people were really fired up earlier this season for Brady versus Belichick. Uh, I'm here for Goff versus McVeigh.
3: Oh, me too, man. Because I'm going to tell you, like, I think that Sean McVeigh wants to go out there and make sure that Jared looks. Awful. And he might not have to do very much in order to do that. But I think, I mean, look, it, Jared's not playing very well. You've got Dan Campbell already calling him out and basically saying that he needs to play better. And I've been telling people this, you know, over the, the course of the last couple of days after what Campbell said in his presser the other night. Like, it took Sean McVeigh years to get to where Dan Campbell got publicly within six games in terms of calling Jared Goff out. So, yeah, I think that this is not going to be a very pretty matchup for the Detroit Lions. They don't really have any wide receivers. You've got Jalen Ramsey on the other side. You've got Aaron Donald on the other side, who Jared knows how to avoid because of practice, but, like, Jared's never really gotten hit by Aaron Donald before, and I think Aaron Donald would love to be able to hit uh, Jared Goff and add him to, you know, his quarterback graveyard. And Matthew Stafford probably wants to go out there and show the Detroit Lions, you know, that, He's a better quarterback than he's ever looked before um, with that organization, too. So I I think this one could get ugly pretty quickly here in Los Angeles.
1: I I feel like it's already fair to start asking what's next for Goff. I mean, it doesn't seem like Detroit believes in him. So what's what's next?
3: Be a backup quarterback like Colt McCoy for the next 10 years. You know, I mean, like at least Colt McCoy wasn't a first, you know, overall pick. But I I think that that's probably where Jared Goff's career is headed. But here's the thing for him. Like he's got a lot of money that's still owed to him. Like his cap number next year is even bigger than that of uh Matthew Stafford. So, like, he's he's got some money coming to him. He's going to be all right. But I don't really see how anybody could uh conceivably think of him as a starting quarterback in this league going forward. I, it just doesn't seem like that's in the cards.
1: Yeah, we all follow his girlfriend on Instagram. He's definitely going to be all right, Miles. I don't think there's a question well, about
3: that. Well, hey man, I you know yeah, I'll I'll leave it there. I'm not going to say what I want to say. Yeah,
1: he should be all right. <laughs> Miles, Miles Simmons, be careful, uh, be careful Miles Simmons with the with the peacock deal at Pro Football Talk. I'm uh, going to tone it down there. Um, yeah, I, I I'm I'm really yeah. intrigued by a story that I haven't heard anybody talking about, but it is fascinating to me that the the Dolphins specifically requested and not have their bye week after their trip to London. In retrospect, don't they want to have a bye
3: week right now? I would think so. I mean, if anybody needs a bye week, it's that team. They need to regroup, and they need to regroup badly. Like, they are in a really bad situation, at least. Because, look, and I saw General Oski tweet earlier today, like, don't let anybody tell you that Tua Tagovailoa played bad in that game in London. And I think it's less a matter of Tua playing poorly or well than... What it is that they're asking him to do? Like, did he do a good job with what they were asking him to do? Absolutely. But like, if you watch that game, and frankly, I fell asleep because it was six thirty Pacific, and it was a terrible football game, and it was boring. But I watched the rest of it later, and I watched the replay, so I did watch it. Like, you look at what he's asked to do. He's asked. He's being asked to do things that a limited quarterback will do, right? He's not really being asked to throw it down the field very much. He's sort of only being asked to throw in the intermediate routes in the rhythm and timing game. And there's no once he has to start really doing things off schedule, it's when things start to really break down. And if he's really throwing outside the numbers, you know, farther than fifteen yards down the field, you might have a problem. So when you have that as a quarterback, you can maybe win with that, but you better have everything else, you know, playing really, really well. You better be playing really, really good defense. You better have a good running game. And right now the Dolphins don't have either of those things. So, yeah, to go back to your original question, I bet that they do wish that they had a bye week right now because they could use it because the offense isn't really working that efficiently and neither is the defense. And I don't know if um, Brian Flores is going to be able to survive this and Chris Greer. I mean, if this team looks as bad as it has uh, through the first few weeks for the rest of the season, why in the world would Stephen Ross keep those guys?
1: (laughs) Here's a here's a real test for Miles Simmons, who I watch on Peacock, uh, my favorite of the streaming apps. Uh, what I also watched this week, besides you, was SNL, because I was in Denver, so I had to hop on the Peacock app to check it out. Uh, they had a John Gruden sketch as the cold open on Saturday. Uh, they did. I, d- I did watch it on Peacock. How was it, Miles?
3: Uh, I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, I don't know if like people were extremely happy about uh, that. In that you know being a big part of Saturday Night Live, but I mean I thought it
1: was pretty funny. What'd you think of? Well, I don't work on Peacock, Miles. I, Did
2: listen, you watch it or not? I watched it. The Gruden part was terrible.
1: It was uh, the it guy. Was the guy. The,
2: the, the, the guy doing Gruden was awful. It, it wasn't even an effort. The, the Goodell's lines were pretty good. I like Colin Joseph.
1: Yeah. Well, Colin Joseph was Goodell. I think yeah. he was good. That was fun.
2: It was solid. Uh, you know what? I gotta I gotta read this to the audience because uh, we got to talk about your boy Florio and the Raiders and the league. This is pretty interesting. I think oh you wrote this. Um, <laughs> well, in the power ratings on PFT Raiders of 13th. So I'm not going to sit there and argue with that, but the, uh, the quick blurb says everyone should be pulling for the Raiders given the obvious and blatant efforts by someone with plenty of power and influence to torpedo their entire season by forcing an October coaching change. Are you on board with this? Hey, the league just effed over the Raiders.
3: Well, I, I mean, okay. I think it's sort of two separate issues, right? Like, a, did John Gruden deserve to lose his job after those comments were made public? Yes. I, I think that what he said was abhorrent. And, you know, they're unacceptable comments. And as Mark Davis said, they, they're antithetical to everything that the Raiders stand for, right? So it's not something that was tenable for him to keep his job. But when you think about where did this leak come from, it came from somebody with an agenda. Because if... That's the only person, and the league says it's the only person, uh, the, those are the only emails that they found that were sent to or from Bruce Allen that were untoward, right? That's with the 650,000 emails. They were all to and from Bruce Allen, and those were the only ones that were you know, problematic, if you will. Um, it was somebody's agenda to leak that at that point so that John Gruden would be embarrassed out of his job. Now I don't know who leaked the email. I mean, we we could believe that it's the league. You get somebody like Amy Trask of CBS Sports, who you know used to be the president of the Raiders. She thinks that it wasn't somebody from the league. I don't I don't know. I don't really have any you know unpublished information uh, to say whether or not it was the league. But I just feel what I do feel like is that it was somebody's agenda to get John Gruden out, and that agenda was successful. And, you know, I I, I thought it was a hell of a job by Rich Patachia and the coordinators and the players to be able to focus and then go into Denver and kick the the crap out of the Broncos. I mean, that game was not as close as the final score indicated because the Raiders just got after Teddy Bridgewater really, really well. They were efficient on offense. Henry Ruggs, I'll say something nice about him because I know Raider fans think I hate him. I don't but he was very productive in what they asked him to do. So, like, it was a great performance there, and, you know, I, I thought the Raiders would make the playoffs. I also push, would push back against the narrative that John Gruden was holding them back because that's kind of the way the teams looked all year until, the really, the Bears game, um, where it was just very uncompetitive. And I guess you could say in L.A. against the Chargers, they just didn't have a clue how to go about attacking that defense um, from Brandon Staley. But... Generally, that's how they've looked as a team and the fact that they were able to put all that stuff aside, compartmentalize, go out there, and still play as well as they did. I think you've got to give them a lot of credit. But, yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I'd do not i like to see the Raiders make the playoffs because I predicted that they would make it to the playoffs, so I want to be right, and I root for me being right.
2: We root, uh, root for you to be right, too. so <laughs> Friend Thank of the you. program.
3: I appreciate it, guys.
2: Miles paused. He's like, they're not serious. They're being sarcastic. When when I compliment you, I'm being serious.
3: Yeah, I was going to say, if it's you, Steve, I believe it. If it were Adam saying that, I would know that it was (laughs) garbage. No No
2: shot, no. All right, well, have a good week. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you. Okay, Miles?
3: All right, take care, gentlemen.
2: So the other weird part, and uh, you and I both believe there was also something interesting at work on that Friday when the first email was released about the Michelin tires. Yeah, and Demora Smith. That that was the day that Demora Smith was due to get the player vote, yay or nay. Yeah, on continuing as a head of the union. And there there are some people out there who are like, "Wow, interesting that, that's, that's weird." But who would have leaked it? Someone from the NFLPA or someone from the NFL side who was pro Demora Smith?
1: It could have been either. But I mean, it would have had to originate. Would have had to have originated. You would think with the NFL, like they're the ones that had him. So either they re- they let somebody know that they were there and then they were consequent consequentially released by somebody else or the NFL allowed it to happen. And a lot of people have said, Hey, the NFL likes the way that the Smith runs the union, which probably wouldn't be a good endorsement of somebody running in union. Um, and that they put it out for that reason. And there's the other looming, you know, conspiracy theory out there that this was not about getting John Gruden out. This is about getting Mark Davis out and that that was only the first step. And so you know, we will see how the rest of this continues to play out.
2: Demar Smith is on HBO, Real Sports, uh, Real
1: Sports tonight. Yeah, with oh, wow. uh, with Gumble, that could be good. Uh, Brian, did. P- Brian's gonna have a lot of notes. Is he doing the interview? Yes. Really? Yeah. I saw. I uh, was privy to a quick excerpt. There's some pretty strong stuff in there.
2: Really? Yeah. What are you sworn to secrecy? Uh, it's a hell of a tease, and I'm was, gonna watch it. Are you? Are you on the payroll now? Tell us what he said. I transcribed it. I could uh, give me something. Uh, do I need to do a promotional read here to buy you some time so you can find it's, it? Would it's you like my, me to do that? You, you look and find it. Uh, coming up after this show at 630, I will be down near the M at Parkway Tavern. It's a brand new location on Volunteer. Caleb Herring will be there. We'll talk to uh, Marcus Arroyo, Russ Langer, the voice of the Rebels will be there as well. Uh, volunteer right next to the M. Happy hours going down at Parkway Tavern, the home of the Marcus Arroyo radio show. That includes the Quesa Berea Taco or chips and salsa for three bucks, fried pickles, mini corn dogs for five dollars, six dollars on the chicken fingers, three bucks on the domestic drafts, house wine, and well cocktails. That's happy hour everywhere at all five Parkway taverns. But tonight we're at the one down near the M for the Marcus Arroyo radio show, which airs right here from six thirty to seven thirty. Did you find it? Yeah. Okay. So oh, you're not going to read it. Oh well. You know, we ran out of time on the way back. <laughs> give us a quote.
0: Property values have gone up 20% year over year. And so if rental rates quit paying your landlord, these record high rental rates and purchase your dream home today, call Dustin to at five, seven, seven, 2600.
2: Tannehill will throw down the field off the helmet. Julio Jones catches it. That's his
4: great concentration and not giving up on the play.
0: Chopping it up on a Tuesday. It's Cofield and Company at the Nova Home Loan Studio.
2: Damn, did the Bills do anything good last night? Every highlight today, Bills low light or uh, some sort of highlight on the Titan side. Adam Hill is thrilled. His guy, Josh Allen, rough moments in the game was pretty good at other times. Bad it's Cofield weeks. and Company, halfway mark. Real Sports Tonight, HBO, DeMora Smith, you were doing this big tease, and then I'm like, okay, <laughs> <Was> what <I? laughs> What was said on the show? And you're like, I don't know. I wrote about it, but I already
1: forgot. Um, Brian Gubble asked if he was surprised by John Gruden's statements. Uh, DeMora Smith said, uh, first of all, I would say it was more shocking that a group of people apparently in an email conversation felt it was comfortable enough to engage in a conversation like that. Um, that certainly denigrated me and people who look like me. Uh, but he said, while I was shocked to see it, uh, I'm not naive enough to believe that there aren't people out there doing this, which accurate. I mean, right. I, I think it, it's it's understood that there are people that do this, even if they're very nice to your face, as he pointed out. Um, said it hurt him more that his family had to see it than anything else. Uh, but what he really, really was angry about was the amount of people of color on television who defended John Goody. Right away. Yeah. Didn't let the story marinated
2: all. And uh, I'm not saying you're some sort of big media figure, because you're not. Uh, but you, you nailed it early on when you tweeted out, the league has handed over materials to the Raiders for review. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, this ain't done with just the comments about DeMora Smith. There's more yeah. coming. So why would every, I don't understand why everyone rushed on Sunday and Monday, well, Sunday, to defend him.
1: Yeah. And so DeMora Smith said um, the next iteration of the conversation um, is not the people that he, that were comfortable enough to say it on the email. Uh, the next step is, of course, the people who defended him or gave him a pass, who look more like us than like him. And so he was talking about him and Brian Gumble. And Brian Gumble. So Tony Donji. Well, Brian Gumble said, "Are you speaking specifically of broadcasters of color who basically apologized for John Gruden and gave him a pass?" And Demora Smith said, "It's abhorrent to think that a group of people." on an email chain being comfortable saying that it's equally important to me to see a group of people defend it, knowing that they live in this legacy of America's past, they live in this hope of America's future. We can't be truly hopeful when those people continue to excuse or apologize for something. There are certain people that have and have had a plantation mentality in this league. Ooh. I think it would be unfair to sweep everybody up in this. But I guess my point is for people in the league, and I'm talking primarily of ownership who believe uh, that this league should be something better, they're going to have an opportunity here to match actions to those words. And if they refuse to do that, my message to some of them that I've made, and now the message to them publicly is your refusal to step up to the plate and demand an investigation or demand the release of any, uh impropriety will speak volumes about whether you indeed believe in this uh, in this racist mentality or this plantation mentality or even worse whether you believe that the national football league can be a better part of itself do you think it's been loud enough this week i don't no i think it's already quieted down yeah where's the
2: screaming and yelling and i think what he's saying is where is a large number of african-american broadcasters and current-day players and former players screaming and yelling about, let's have an investigation here. What do you mean you found nothing else? Right. What else is in the 650,000 emails just to Bruce, which, by the way, that number seemed ridiculous to me. He sends, over the course of 10 years, it was 178 emails a day.
1: Come on. I think I might be over that.
2: But the, uh, the other amazing thing about the, the, the whole football team investigation is that it sounded like they didn't comb through the rest of the emails because it's a privacy issue. Yeah, I mean, it, investigation. So is, is that really an weird. investigation?
1: No, I, I wouldn't. I mean, think that's so. not, is that a
2: full scale investigation?
1: But so I, we only know about the Bruce Allen emails. But as I said, like the other day, and like one of the statements that came out was, well, there was nothing else really material to the to the <laughs> to know And I was like, I don't care. Yeah. I want the. That's not for you to judge, right? Because clearly, you guys are not good judges, jury, and
2: executioner. Uh, I mean, let's go back to the beginning of this whole thing you had the emails in June or July if they were so abhorrent, you were so disgusted as you said in you know public statements last week, then that should have been out immediately in the summer. Why did you wait until
1: October? Why did come on why did you try to hide it? Yeah and and, and again, like I'd be willing to bet anything that there's other things in there that are going to get people in trouble absolutely. but as I said, I don't care I'm a nerd. I want the, no, Bruce Allen and Dan Snyder making dinner reservations on email. I want that. I want the. Hey, what are we doing this weekend, bro? I want those emails. Uh, you, I want to know, see you that. You
2: know, one of their greatest fears is is that uh, there are thousands and thousands of emails with people trading the cheerleader pictures.
1: Of course. And of course. so
2: many people, like you'd be like, "Wow, he did that, huh?" Like so many people got the email and didn't and didn't write back. Hey,
1: cut it out. That's right. disgusting. Right. And by the way. I I will I will freely say I don't think I would have either, I don't think I don't like I don't think I would have forwarded it on, but I don't think I would be I would be a strong enough person or that person to send back, if I'm in the group to, the group email to which, send back like hey I don't want to be a part of this which is stop. A, a whole
2: another topic with the world of football yeah and media we already had all the Schefter stuff I uh I I we had a conversation yesterday Monday? yeah yesterday with Jason Cole who's a longtime NFL insider and I was like was Like when coaches do that in front of you, when they talk like Gruden was speaking in those emails, do you say anything? And he was like, uh, you know, he kind of hemmed and hawed because it's not an easy thing to answer no. because you're trying to protect your relationship. But that- um and and but honestly, would there be anything wrong with hey John, don't don't do that in front of me, and you probably should stop doing that. Your your smart aleck remarks about you know whoever Colin Kaepernick or female
1: uh referees or you know everyone else you went after and and i'm i'm freely saying when if you're saying he avoided answering that question i will say right now he didn't, i would he not didn't avoid it w- he he, got, he gave an
2: answer but obviously anyone who when you throw that at a media person every one of them is going to be like well that's actually that's kind of challenging
1: it, it, it is very challenging and i'll tell you why just like it, it
2: by the way just like it is at the i keep cutting you off just like it is at the workplace sure because we've worked around pigs before and too often you just let them do it and then it develops a culture of horses asses walking around who potentially are terrorizing people.
1: I, I had a, a similar conversation of this about something different this weekend that I, I I won't go into details about, but it is part. Ari. There is part of it. And like, okay, if if I had a one-on-one conversation with John Green, like after practice, I'm doing an interview. If he would have said, and he did not. I'm not saying this happened. I'm saying if he makes some over-the-top comment, and people know where I stand politically, um, but I'm just saying if he made some over-the-top comment that I very strongly disagreed with, that was maybe racist in nature, or sexist in nature, or one of those things. My, what I would want to do is be like, bro, what what are you talking about? What I would do is nothing, and and it, it's it's because. You don't want to be the the guy that's like, "Hey man, I'm not comfortable with that kind of conversation." And then that guess what? He never talks to you again, right. and you don't you lose out on a source that you're trying to And this is this is something that we talk, that was talked about with female <laughs> reporters too, right? Anyone listening right now, we're lecturing ourselves in some ways. No, but uh, but yeah. I'm I'm saying but it is true like it was talked about female reporters, right? Yeah. Where they they're like, "Well, I I have had I've been treated a certain way, and I was uncomfortable saying stop because what you don't want is Okay, well, I'm never talking to her again. And then you can't do your job effectively because that person doesn't feel comfortable being themselves around you and they won't talk to you. Like there is that line and that is something that should be addressed and talked about, but it is absolutely, and and this this does not just apply to media, as you said, this is workplaces too, where, you know, a boss makes an off color joke in a meeting. Are you really going to be the one think about, are you going to be the one that's like, Hey, not don't talk like that because that's what you should do as a, as a person. But as an employee, as a worker, are you're never getting invited to another meeting perhaps. Now all of a sudden you can't do your job effectively. And now you're left behind from you know raises and promotions. Like that is a culture that should be addressed, but I don't think most people, and I'm putting myself in this, are comfortable being the ones to say we need to address it.
0: Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Fourth and one. Josh Allen looks like he slipped down.
1: (laughs) Naquan Jones stuffed the hole. Josh Allen.
0: And it's Titans football. From the fantastic Nova Home Loan Studios, it's Cofield and Company. Amazing job by
2: Ari. Just for Adam Hill. I think Adam slipped him a couple of hundos. Every time we come back from break, there's a Bills low light. Bills lose. Titans win. Right now in baseball, it's 5-2 Braves. Uh Uh-oh, Dodgers, bottom six. They're trailing. we got a baseball game uh, coming up a little later on with the Red Sox and the Astros. Sammy P is in. What's up, Sam?
4: Yo, yo, yo. I'm rooting for the Braves here, man. Got a big ticket on them to win the World Series. I didn't think it would have a shot, especially after Acuna got hurt and Ozuna had to leave the team for a lot of messed up stuff off the field. This team just hits the baseball, though, man, and I'll tell you what, they're resilient. They keep coming back in all these games. They're down 2 nothing. Now you look up, they're up
2: 5-2. What's a big ticket? Uh, how big were the odds? Uh,
4: 14-1. Nice. Real nice. All right. Yeah, so got some shekels there. I think the ticket to collect $6,000. So I'm feeling Woo-hoo-hoo. good about that. And I, uh, I refuse to hedge because I think knowing what I know about the Red Sox, and I think that's going to be our matchup here, Red Sox and Braves, like that's going to be – one of the best World Series because neither team has really good starting pitching. Bullpens will be executed in, like, the fourth or fifth inning. These are going to be home run derbies if that's what we get in Atlanta and Boston. And it looks like that's where we're headed, that's for sure.
2: Why do you think we're headed there with the Red Sox and the Astros?
4: Well, man, this team, I mean, like, I don't think the books have respected them all season long. And that goes back to February and March when these win totals, uh, win totals excuse me, started popping up 78 and a half 79 79 and a half and and even last night like I did a double take I'm looking at the board and the Red Sox at home game three first game at Fenway in this series they're minus 110 minus 115 that's a slap in the face they've been very good at home this year they have one of the best offenses per their ballpark in all of baseball and Steve they lead the postseason I know I know it's a small sample size but the Boston Red Sox offense leads the postseason in hits, homers, batting average, and slugging. And it's not even close. The margins are huge. The Red Sox have like 19 home runs in this postseason. And a lot of those home runs have come at home. So they hit well in their ballpark. And that game's going to start, I believe, in like 15 minutes or so. I still think that price is too short. Minus 125, minus 126 on Boston. If Granky can't go six innings, which he won't, That Houston bullpen has to come in and try and outlast that Red Sox offense. It's an uphill battle for Houston because they don't have the pitching up front.
2: I feel like we buried the lead. Paulie the fish?
4: Yeah, Paulie's dead. Paulie, um, one of my discus fish, big guy, big orange fish, huge Braves fan. You know, we watched every game together. And uh, I'm not going to sell the Brave ticket because we're going to do it for Paulie. I'm trying to get hashtag do it for Paulie trending on Twitter. Pauly would not want me to sell or hedge. Pauly would go braves until the end, and that's what we're going to do.
2: Did you scoop this fish out yet? I mean, it is just lying upside down in a, a beautiful fish tank, but I, I'd feel horrible.
4: Yeah, what he's in the garbage now, so he's in the that's... disposal. Like, that fish is so big, you can't flush. Um, you know, for those of you that listen that have uh, goldfish or have had goldfish in the past, you can flush goldfish. They get the naval burial, and you salute, all that. You can't really flush a discus fish because he's the size of about a watermelon slice. So he's got to go in the garbage and you know it's not it's not pretty. I'm I'm a little sad. I almost didn't make this hit again today, but I didn't want to do that to you.
2: you and you 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 went back and this is this is our cup of tea here. Now we're going to go off on this tangent. <laughs> it garbage or garbage disposal because the disposal is just a I mean the fish is dead, but it what a horrible image.
4: Well, he goes <laughs> He goes in the garbage bag, which then goes into the garbage chute, which then goes okay. down into the yeah. The but you know what floor.
2: I meant, right, Adam? Like that that you were, that Sam threw it down the sink, and it's grind time. Right, and you're grinding up this
1: fish. Like, oh my god. Well, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw in personal experience from this weekend. Oh, no. I was visiting the one family. Of your, one of your dogs. I was visiting the family, and and. It's Denver, but it's like a half hour outside of downtown. It's like a very rural feeling place. And they have like the floor to ceiling two-story windows that are very clear. Two birds at the same time flew into the window and died as we were sitting in the living room. And,
2: That's the beginning of a
1: horror movie. And so we went outside, and there was a long discussion. What do you do with – it was two blue jays, I think they were. Oh, really? Like, what do you do with these two bird- bluebirds, I guess? They're blue birds, whatever they are. Well, you're great on nature. Uh, Yeah, I am. Uh, So you're like, what do you do? And there was a conversation like, well, you bag them up and throw them away. And then there was, wait, you can't throw it in the trash? Like, animals will come to the trash and try to get the birds. So it was a, a process of putting the birds in a bag and then taking them to, like, the local dump and throwing them in – so that they're not around anybody's house in the trash can.
2: I got to follow up on this in the five o'clock hour. Let's get back to <laughs> Sam. Spot Sam Penny. I, I do. Just please, Ari, mark it down. Tease board. I got to hit on that to follow up. That the whole thing was ridiculous from Adam. Um, it's true. Listen, we don't come on the air and say, "Hey, we're we're you know we're gambling experts, right?" But we have there's a little bit of knowledge and a little bit of experience. And again, we're seeing a lot of new people come to this space, Sam. Um, you saw something weird last night with some recommendation on a parlay with the Monday Night Football game?
4: Yeah, education is becoming less important by the day, man. It really drives me nuts. And I think the reason that we always talk every Tuesday is because I try and help people make money, and I try and put them in good positions. I saw a same-game parlay last night. I'm not even kidding. It was a four-leg, same-team parlay. The Bills money line, the Titans plus six, so you're already betting against yourself in this parlay that won't win. And then the first half, Bills minus three and a half, first half, Bills team total over 14 and a half. If you parlay against yourself in the parlay, you're going to lose. It drives me insane. And then people will retweet this and share this. And this parlay got like, you know, 10, 15 retweets. And people are like, oh, good call. I'll tail. How are you going to parlay the Bills to win and the Titans to cover? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, and I've heard a lot of dumb things on gambling Twitter. But just, it's just something new every day, and it doesn't matter who it is or where it was. It's the education that if you're going to parlay, the more legs in the parlay, the more likely you are going to lose, and you should not bet two different sides of the same game. How do you parlay one team to win and the other team to cover? It's the Polish middle, and go figure, the Titans win the game, so the Titans plus six wins, but the Bills money line loses. The education has to remain paramount. Don't do stuff like that because you're going to lose.
2: Sam Peniotovic, Nesson, also Fox Sports is with us. Uh, Monster weekend for favorite players in the morning. This last weekend. Give me some reaction to that because I saw a lot of the sports books were talking about a bloodbath, and I wonder if it carries over to uh, this week because there's some really big favorites. Really big favorites.
4: Well, you hear bloodbath all the time. You know, I think the books made a little bit of coin back on Sunday night with the Seahawks covering, and of course, the books made a lot of money last night. With the Dodgers losing, or not, I'm sorry, the Astros losing and the uh, the Monday night game. Who lost last night? Buffalo. We just talked about it, Duff. If the Dodgers go down, the books will be okay. So, yeah, I mean, like, books win, books lose. You have a bad Sunday, it's not the end of the world. But I think you can tell, Steven, you just sort of alluded to it, making all of these teams massive favorites the following weekend, like, that's the result. So rather than have, you know, the LA Rams lay 11.5 or 12, they're laying 15 now against the Lions. Rather than have the Buccaneers lay 12 or 12.5, 12 they're laying 13 against the Bears. Rather than have Arizona lay 14.5, 15, 16, they're laying 18.5 against the Houston Texans. I'm not saying that I like any of those dogs because all of those dogs could get put down easily because they all stink. I mean, Detroit sucks. Chicago sucks. Houston sucks. But, man, you are paying a premium this week on the bigger favorites. And even a team like Green Bay you know, nine and a half at home against Washington. Um, New England is a seven-point favorite against the Jets. Eventually, if the favorites keep covering, the books will tack on an extra point, point and a half, two points, which makes it tougher for you to win your parlays, tougher for you to win your teasers. When the books get rolled on favorites after a week, two weeks in a row, the favorites, as you can imagine, are as expensive as possible in that ensuing week. So just be careful here. You know, if Arizona wins by 17, that's a great win, but you have to lay 18, 18 and a half. Just be careful. Always lay the right number. I'm not going to lay 18 and a half when it opens 17, and I'm not going to lay like a number on the Rams at 15 when the game opened 13 and a half. That number by kickoff is going to be 15 and a half, 16, and a lot of people are going to bet it. If it's a 14-point game, the early money will win. The late money will lose.
1: But Sam, what you're missing is when the when the favorites are favored by more points, it's easier to bet favorite money line and dog points on a same team parlay. <laughs> I hate you so much, but you're right. <laughs> you're so right. Um,
4: I just I, I couldn't get over that. and then you know people are like, oh well I, I nailed the Titan's leg. Well, yeah, but you told people to parlay it with the Bill's money line. Really? you know it's if the just,
1: bills, if the bills get that touchdown late, they, they both cover. And it wins, and then then everybody – but the the problem is then everybody comes to you and like, see, you're an idiot. It won. You don't know what you're talking about. That's the problem. Well, the Bills' first half leg didn't hit minus three and a half, so that lost. But, yeah, I mean, we just –
4: we keep moving the goalposts. And you're right. Like, the reason I can't call this out on Twitter is because then I'm a hater or I'm a sexist (laughs) or whatever. And it's like, Uh, no, like, I just want people to make money. Like, that's it. Don't parlay the same teams against each other. It's common sense, but (laughs) – when we blast this out from verified accounts, man, this is the pitfall, and this is the problem.
2: Sam, great job. Good luck this weekend, and uh, I, uh, I have to say, I'm kind of rooting for the Dodgers, so one of us will do well. It well. One of us I'm going to gonna do,
4: do okay. it for Paulie, man. My fish is dead. Come That's on, man. He point. needs the brave. For Paulie!
2: All right, see you, Sam.
4: See you.
2: Sam Panajotovich. Nesson, also Fox Sports. Five o'clock hours on the way. We'll get you updated on uh, the latest with the uh, Raiders in terms of the, uh, the injury front. Also, some grades on the offensive line. And uh, Ari wants us to look into, is John Gruden an offensive hack? Passaccia and the the rest of the crew. Passaccia and the rest of the crew.
0: Was Gruden just in their way? Are you a veteran or active-duty military? Call Nova today for VA loan with no lender fees. That's $1,300 in savings. Call Dustin DeHart at 577-2600.